So as, as I'm trying, kind of thinking through the word today, uh, this thing kind of came to mind for me. Anybody remember going to the mall? <laughs> right? You remember going to the mall? Oh, I see. Okay. Hey, if you're under 40, a mall is a place, it's this big building, and inside that big building, there were like little rooms that were stores, like all the stuff you buy on Amazon, it was in these rooms. And, and you would go there to get the goods that you, that you needed. But I remember being a, a, a kid back in Massachusetts, going to the mall with my brothers and cousins, and like when we would show up to Westgate Mall, the, the first thing you had to do at malls, right? It's like, if I wanted to go to Spencer's or Claire's, right? Like, I'm dating myself a little bit, right? Uh, you, you'd have to go to this, like, big box that was usually in the lobby, right? It, it was glowing, and it was a map of the mall, right? And that's the only way to know where you were going. And, and you, on this map, there was a very specific thing that you had to look for. It, it was this star, right? The old people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> And next to the star, it said, you are here. Come on. <laughs> and that was the only way to figure out, you know, then you're kind of doing this thing to figure out how to, like, how to get to where you need to get to. And, 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 it, and it really illustrates this idea. It, you can't get, we can't get to where we want to be until we know exactly where we are. You can't get to where you want to be until you know exactly where you are. And oftentimes when we're thinking through our future, we're thinking through our faith journey, where God wants to take us, it's first having the wherewithal to kind of address right where you are. And sometimes the, the, the future will, will lead to fear pumping up in our hearts and in our minds and in our world because we're just uncertain. But, but here's the thing. God wants to change from fear to faith, but God says, I've got to slow you down first. Just like walking into that mall. I can't rush. I got to slow you down first and get you to recognize where you are. And this is what's going to happen in the text we're going to look at this morning together. Where Joshua is now leading God's people, the, the, the Israelites, the Hebrews who have come out of Egypt. Joshua was just a young kid, a young boy growing up in Egypt underneath captivity, underneath slavery. And then God redeems the people and moves them out, frees them from the bondage and captive of Pharaoh. And they're in the wilderness, being led by Moses. And then because of some disobedience, God tells Moses and all the men over the age of 20, you won't go into the promised land. And Joshua is anointed, chosen as the leader of God's people. You've got to catch this context here, friends. The understanding how God, in his, all his sovereignty and all his wisdom, God is always orchestrating. 
And this weekend, being, being here and hanging out with the students and hanging out with them over the last couple of years when I've come in, it's this beautifulness that we have to pay attention to, how God's oftentimes looking further down the line than we are and is in a season of preparedness, of readiness. And young people in this room, God is looking at you, and God's like, I'm preparing you for something. But those of us who aren't so young anymore, it's our understanding to know that God wants to use us as illustrations as reflections of himself that the next generation that comes may find faith in God. So here's Joshua preparing to take God's people into the promised land. And see, our modern instinct would say, no, just push as fast as you can, young man. Push as fast as you can into the promised land. But God says, no, 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 no. I need to ready you for what's ahead. And many of us today might be desiring to push ahead into our next triumph, to push ahead into our next breakthrough, to push ahead into our next season. And God is whispering into your soul, into your consciousness this morning to say, I want to hit the pause button that I might prepare you for what is next. And this happens in Joshua chapter 5, where Joshua is going to have an encounter, and that encounter is going to prepare Joshua for the season ahead. Look with me in John cha Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in hand, Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. What's the Lord showing Joshua that he wants to show us today? The Lord was showing Joshua in that moment this idea that your breakthrough is going to follow full surrender. I don't know what brought you here this morning, but, but I want to give you a word of hope that your breakthrough that you're looking for in your marriage, young people, the breakthrough that you're looking for in your school and in your future, the breakthrough that you're looking for in your vocation, in your calling, in your finance, in all of your relationships, raising your kids, God is telling us that your breakthrough, it's going to follow full surrender. But here's the deal, what's often keeping us from our breakthrough, from our next victory, there are things that are hindering us. These kind of old friends that always pop their heads up. And as we're preparing to walk into God's promise, as we're preparing to walk into blessings, these old friends will pop their heads up and create barriers and stop us. But here's what I want you to understand today. Listen, you can't walk into this new life with these old friends. Paul said it so eloquently to the church in Corinth. Paul said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. This is from God who reconciled us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, God wants to conquer your heart today. 
That's what he was preparing Israel for. That's what he was preparing Joshua for. God was like, I'm not simply going to conquer your enemies, but I'm going to conquer your heart. If you're looking for a transformation to happen in your nation, Joshua, would you first allow a transformation to happen in you? If you're looking for a transformation to happen in your marriage, in your finances, in your schoolwork, would you allow God to first transform your heart? These become the missing pieces of the victory, the victory that God wants to give us. And oftentimes we're not battle ready because we're holding on to other things. And friends, I gotta tell you, it takes everything in you to be fully surrendered to God. And it's not until the rubber meets the road in instances in life that you realize how small you are and how you're in need of a bigger God. 12, 13 years ago, I got the, the, probably the worst phone call I've ever gotten in my life. My, my brother called me and he told me, he said, hey, Carl, uh, dad's missing and my dad had recently retired from his job and he was doing some humanitarian work, some missionary work in Haiti. That's where our family's from. And a 7.3 earthquake hit that nation that day. Bringing the whole nation to rubble. And my dad never came home. We never found his body buried in a mass grave with 400,000 other souls. And I remember the anger that I had. The, this question, God, why? A, a guy goes and, and he's serving and giving of his life and then you take it away. And I'm driving on the freeway home Tears running down my face, banging the steering wheel of my car. God, how could you do this? Why, God? And in that still, sweet, quiet voice, the Lord spoke in my heart. He said, I'm your father, Carl. I see you. I've got you. Fully surrendered, I gave myself over to the Lord in my pain, in my mourning, in my grief. It didn't go away, but it was salved with the touch of a father. That's what God is desiring for so many of us. That he would meet us in the middle of our mess, that he would meet us in the middle of our brokenness, and, and instead of us making plans, instead of us looking ahead, that we would stop and be with him. That he might give you the blessing, the true blessing that you're looking for. Remember those little friends that pop up they want to distract us from surrendering to God. I want to look at three of them this morning. Three things that I want to hamper 
your breakthrough. The first one is, it's those things that you can't forget. We've all got them. The things in our past, there are things in our minds, there are things in our heart that we just can't forget. And, and, and when we approach God, we often ask the wrong question. Joshua in verse 13 says, are you for us or for our enemy? And, 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 and the, the, the man replies to him, he says, neither. Or in the original text, he just says, no. Sometimes we ask God questions and God just says, no. But... As the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. I was talking to Christian earlier, one of the guys playing in the band, and he, we were just getting into some theology earlier. It was beautiful. And he, and he brought this point up, and he reminded me of this. So I'm going to share it with you. Sometimes that's what happens in the text. It just comes back alive. Like, look, yeah, catch this, catch this. Ready? When God meets Moses at Mount Sinai, God comes to him as an angel. He's meeting Moses in Moses' present situation, how Moses needs to, needs to see him, how Moses needs to encounter him. Here the Lord presents himself to Joshua. He doesn't present himself to Joshua as an angel. He doesn't present himself as something else. He meets Joshua exactly how Joshua needs to see him. He meets him as a commander because Joshua now is the president, is the general, the leader of God's people. This is a reminder. Look at me in the eye. I want you to get this. God meets you exactly where you are. Whether you're 15 or, or 75, God is looking to meet you exactly where you are, divorced, single. He's trying to meet you right where you are. So Joshua has this specific moment. Who is this man? Who is this man holding this sword? See, what's happening here is Joshua is having a thing theologically called a Christophany. A Christophany is an encounter with Jesus in human form pre-incarnation. It means this is before Bethlehem. This is before the baby in a manger. This is Jesus coming down to earth, pre-incarnate, presenting himself. You see this happen a handful of times in the Old Testament. So who is standing in front of him but Jesus? And Joshua wasn't going to make the mistake that the generation before him did. See, the generation before these were people who had just kind of done their own thing and, and, and hadn't been circumcised, hadn't consecrated their relationship with, with God. And Joshua says, I'm not going to make that, that same mistake. So Joshua readies himself and he submits. He submits. He, he realizes his position and he realizes the position of the Lord. See, y'all, we get that twisted all the time. Well, we want God to be subservient to us, subservient to our needs, to our wants, to our desires, and not realizing that we are under the mission of God. That doesn't mean that God doesn't answer little prayers, because he's a big God. But y'all, look at me, I want you to get this. Listen, God is concerned about other things besides the parking space you get at Costco. <laughs> Those are the things we pray for. God said, I got bigger things that I want to do in and through you. 
But many of us, myself included, we can't forget our old hurts, our old mistakes, our past, and it stops us from meeting God in the middle of a mess. And we think that we've got to get prettied up and put together to present ourselves before God, where God says, no, no, come as you are. Come as you are. And I'm not so much concerned with these side things that you're concerned with. You, you gotta hear me on this, listen. Jesus didn't come to take sides. Jesus came to take over. This is what he came to do in and through us. Parker Palmer says this so beautifully. He says, humility is the only lens through which great things can be seen. And once we have seen them, humility is the only posture possible. See, you may not have caused the hurts, you may not have caused the hiccups, but you are still carrying them. And God wants to unburden you of that today. Look at Jesus' words in Matthew 9. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for that patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskin, and both are preserved. Listen, you know what I'm trying to tell you here? What God's trying to tell you is you can't take old hurts and allow them to define your new life. You can't take all hurts and continue to allow them to, de to, de to, to define the new life that God is desiring for you. Then there are these habits that bust up. These are the things that we can't give up. These are these things that, 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 that the default mode have kind of become our anchors. When Joshua is looking at Jesus, Scripture says in verse 14, Joshua fell face down to the ground in what? In reverence. He fell face down to the ground in reverence and says, what is the message that the Lord have for his servant? You see what happened there? Joshua puts himself in the right posture. He puts himself in the right position. Joshua has the responsibility of this being this human leader over, over two, three million people. But then this heavenly warrior comes to him and says, this is going to how the operation is going to be directed. Can you imagine the joy, the relief, the peace that Joshua must have felt in that moment where he's like, wait, I don't got to do this on my own. Y'all, how many of us are, are striving and struggling because we're trying to do it on our own. Look at me in the eye, I wanna give you this. You can give God back his job. You can give God back his job. He can handle it. He can handle it. Joshua went and he was looking for a problem. He was looking for a problem to solve in Jericho. And what did he do? He found God. See, God doesn't present the plan for our problems until we are positioned in the posture of surrender. Did you catch that? You are looking for an answer, but your posture does not 
reflect a person looking for an answer. And God's saying, listen, posture yourself. And what's the posture? He worships. Reverence. We're big people. Pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. And God's like, no, 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 no. Who does Jesus commend in scripture? The little children. The little children. This innocence. This naivete. This, this dad. Dad picked me up. This is the posture that God's calling us to have. Face down in the ground. Joshua takes the position of a servant. God takes the position of the leader, the master. The folks in Joshua's day, they had gotten used to just waiting for God to provide. Waiting for, we don't gotta do anything. Manna is gonna be here every morning and quail every night, we're fine. Let's just, come on, keep, keep it coming, God. Keep it coming. And God's like, no, no, no. It's time to grow up, Joshua. Look me in the eye, Grace. It's time to grow up. Because the people that Joshua was with, Joshua has the responsibility here. He's got to close the chapter on manna provision days. He's closing the chapter on manna provision days, and he's beginning the promised the promise land produce days. Look at me in the eye. I want you to get this, young people. God is like, listen, no more of the manna where I'm just spoon feeding you. I, 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 I got a bigger thing. I got a better thing for you. But it's going to require toil. It's going to require work. It's going to require all of you. But most, most importantly, and we talked about this on Friday at the One Conference, it's going to require you to abide in me. Look at the words of Jesus in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branch. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that means God's got to cut some stuff out of your life for some new stuff to grow. He stopped giving them manna so that he could give them promised land produce. God's looking at us today. He's like, I got to cut some stuff out of your life so I can give you something better. God will take something good away to give you something better. It's whether or not I'm going to surrender that good thing for the greater thing. And some of these bad habits, we got to realize these bad habits can't produce good fruit. So you got to let Jesus prune what's not producing in your life. You gotta ask Jesus to prune the things that aren't producing fruit in your life. And I'm talking about the fruit of the spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, self-control, forbearance. This is what God wants to produce in us. But sometimes I don't wanna let go of my stuff. I found myself in a season where I just was anxious all the time anxious all the time. And I was, what, what's, what's, what's the reasoning behind all this anxiety that I'm feeling? Now, now I, I, I struggle with mental illness. I got some stuff there, but there was just other stuff that was just happening all the time. And I realized, I was like, I got to get off my phone. I got to stop filling my mind up with garbage and yuck and junk and opinions. And I got to start filling it up with 
goodness. A year and a half I've been off social media. I just quit all the news feeds on my phone too. And you know what, friends? I feel awesome. Because I'm not distracted as much. God pruned something in me to give me something better. What might that be for you? Right, you're gonna go to lunch today somewhere, right? Next time I come here, the Cracker Barrel will be open, so that's where I'll be going for lunch. <laughs> but you're gonna go somewhere today, and you know what you're gonna see at lunchtime? You're gonna see a bunch of people who said, oh, we wanna be together today, but they're gonna be sitting around tables all on their phones. Might God wanna prune something in us? And, and oh, oh, come on, come on, listen. I'm not talking to young people here, right? I am flabbergasted. I am flabbergasted how many people over 45 that I see just this. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear? Anybody got that mom-in-law? Did you hear? Yo, I'm right here. What does God want to prune in your life to produce good fruit, better fruit? And what are those hang-ups? Those things that you just can't let go of. What is that for you? Joshua is talking to Jesus, talking to the Lord, and the Lord says to him, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. This is a call back to Mount Sinai, Joshua's predecessor, Moses. Come on, look at me in the eye, I want you to get this. Listen, listen, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, anybody that's got people coming up after them, if you wanna know who they're gonna end up with, who, how they're gonna end up, what they're gonna end up like, ask yourself, what am I reflecting to them? For all of Moses' shortcomings, Moses reflected servitude. He reflected submission to God. And now here at the critical, the crux of Joshua's life, he remembers Moses. You don't think Moses told him this story? And now it's happening to him, and his response was just the same as Moses's. The Lord gives him a command, and Joshua did so. Can I tell you, friends, we make this faith thing too complicated. The, the, the Holy Scriptures, the infallible Word of God, 66 books given to us as, an, as, as a guide, as a hope, as a truth, an ancient truth that doesn't fit in to our current American culture. And there are things in this text, in this collection of God's word, God breath, God breathe, that you're not gonna agree with. There are things that are gonna make you uncomfortable. There are things that are gonna make you unpopular. And don't associate any of this with the current culture wars going on in our world. I'm talking about you. There are gonna be things in this word that don't fit nicely into the paradigm that we've set up for ourselves. But you know what we're called to do? Do exactly what Joshua did. Just do it. Because you know how I make the decision on what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do? I go back. I go back to the crucifixion where Jesus tells 12 ragtag dudes, 
I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die for your sins to redeem you and call you back to my Father God. And then, in fact, Jesus is crucified on the cross. He is buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, by the power of God, the same power that resides in you, Jesus is raised from the dead. So I say to myself, every time I come to something in the Scripture, I'm like, I don't know about this. I go, well, if he said that and he did it, and in fact, I guess I'm going to take him at his word and follow him. There are these things that are holding us back. Kathy Keller, wife of the late Tim Keller, says it like this in one of her books. If you pull up your uncontrollable emotions by the roots, you will find your idols clinging to them. Pull it up. And underneath, I'm telling you, you are going to find an idol. Something that we have placed higher than our devotion and reverence to God. We are clinging on to those idols rather than clinging on to our Savior. Joshua understood this better than anybody else because he had watched his people be in bondage for 400 years and then they go into the desert and the first thing they do is they bring their idol. We, walk, we try to walk into our blessing. We try to walk into our breakthrough while we're holding on to the idols of greed. Holding on to the idols of pornography and lust. Holding on to, 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 the, to the idols of disunity. Holding on to the, the idols of, of, of politics. Holding on to the idols of this broken world. And we're like, God, why won't you give me a blessing? Because you haven't waved the white flag. God wants someone today to wave the white flag of surrender. And y'all, in, in the middle of conflict, it is amazing what happens when we wave the white flag and we call a truce. I think about the 1914 Christmas Day truce. This is the start of World War I. On Christmas Eve, the Germans are in their trenches and they hear the British soldiers singing Christmas carols. And the Germans begin to sing their Christmas carols also. And on the next morning, Christmas Day, 1914, some brave soldier pops out of the trenches and walks into the no man's land, the dead zone. And says, truce, truce. And the two sides spend Christmas Day in the middle of the Great War, exchanging gifts, singing carols in their native language. Even some scholars said that there was a soccer game that happened, the first World Cup match. Because both sides press the pause button. God is telling you today, the war is over. The battle is already won. What if you took off your sandals, realized the ground you are standing on is holy, you looked up to me, dirt on your face, and said, Lord, I surrender. 
Lord, I am anchoring myself to you. Jesus is telling you today, listen, I gave you these words as a reminder of the word that I am. I gave you these words as a reminder of the word that I am. Listen, listen, friends, if you're looking for breakthrough in your life, in your marriage, in your finance, in anything that's going on in your world, Jesus tells us so very clearly, he says, listen, hang on to the word behind the word, which is him. Hang on to the word behind the word, which is Jesus. Stop trying to win this battle on your own. Whether that's a hurt that someone else caused you, whether it's a habit that you've had since you were a teen, whether it's a hang-up from an intellectual standpoint, God's people wanted to receive a breakthrough. They wanted to walk victoriously into the promised land, but first they had to surrender. First they had to do a magnification process. Listen, because we can do one or two things. We can magnify our problems, so we can magnify our God. When we magnify our problems, you know what we see, what we come with? We come with self-pity, we come with doubt, we come with discouragement. But when we magnify our God, we find love, we find peace, we find hope, we find truth, we find the breakthrough that we've been looking for. Joshua gives us that example in the text. And whether you're 15 or 73, the Lord wants to present a question to you today. What do you need to surrender to King Jesus? What is it that you need to surrender to King Jesus today? Is it your life? And you live that out publicly next week by entering into the baptism waters? Is it your finances? Is it your marriage? Young people, is it your future? What do you need to surrender to Jesus today? And I'm gonna promise you this, because the Lord has promised me this and he has shown it to me over and over and over again in my life. My breakthrough is on the other side of my surrender. Your breakthrough, your blessing is on the other side of my, on the other side of your surrender. So what do you surrender to Jesus today? I pray that you'll soberly answer that question and you'll allow God to do what God does. And that's bring you into the promise. Lord Jesus, I pray for my friends this morning that you might make us promised land children, that you might free us from the bondage of sin and guilt and shame. And God, that we would let go of things we would remove things and we would walk in the freedom that you offer Jesus the same way you walked out of that grave 2,000 years ago. You want to bring dead things to life. So Lord Jesus, we present ourselves to you the way you surrendered yourself on the cross. We surrender ourselves to you and we look towards the victory, the promise that one day we will meet you again. So Jesus, do a new thing in us. Do a new thing in us and we ask for your breakthrough and we give you our full surrender. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen.